here again. Welcome back to No Love Lost, episode 20 of No Love Lost for week 18. This is your premier go-to source for unbiased AFC North convos and discourse. Jacob Bailey is here. He's in the playoffs. Ethan Davili is here. He's in the playoffs. The Steelers and the Bengals, respectively. And then there is me. I'm wearing the Browns beanie still. I'm disappointed. My team does not make the playoffs. Honestly, at the beginning of the season, I was thinking this would go the other way, really based off of, you know, my, once again, totally unbiased predictions. I thought the Browns were, especially after all the Ravens injuries, runaway favorite to win the AFC North. And here we are, you know, Bengals heading in with the home field against the Raiders and J-Biz. You guys get to go to Kansas City again. But it feels good to be in the playoffs. How are we doing, boy? Great. Yeah, I bet. How you doing, Biz? I'm great. I'm great. It was a, you know, it was a late <laughs> stressful night, Sunday night, bleeding into Monday morning, but the stress faded and it was a peaceful sleep. Yes. So I'm great. Transparency here. It is Wednesday night, a little later this week, but it's given us time to reflect and time to look forward to these playoff matchups. But first off, Jay is people are saying the NFL is rigged because the fact that we're in week 18, the first ever week 18, and it just so happens that the Sunday night football game, the last game, goes down to the last seconds of the last game, like affecting three different teams playoff-wise. The Steelers being the ones where if this game between the Chargers and the Raiders ends in a tie, the Steelers are out. So, like, kind of walk us through, like, the Steelers fan emotions. Yeah, so coming against the game, you know, the tie was all the talk. This game was flexed into the Sunday night spot because it had the most playoff implication on the line. So going in, I, I didn't really think there was a chance of a tie. The competitive competitiveness of these <laughs> NFL franchises means too much. I, I did, however, know that if the game, if it was at the end of overtime or even the end of regulation, that it was going to take a lot more for a team to motivate themselves to win, right. knowing that, hey, if we lose, we're out of the playoffs, but if we tie, we're not. So, you know, the Chargers make that great comeback. Oh, incredible. Incredible comeback. 15 points over the last few minutes. Tie it up as time expires. It goes into overtime. I had actually switched off the game with about five <laughs> minutes to go thinking, this game is over. Uh, oh, no. Steelers are in the playoffs. And then I pop back over to look and see what's going on. So I turn it back on. It's in overtime. And I can't believe it. I'm just in disbelief. And then, yeah, I thought I thought there was seriously a chance that they might tie. The Raiders had the ball there at the end. You can tell it was going through everyone's mind. I started then, really getting a feeling that it might tie. And the big run and the Chargers timeout. Right. I was the happiest person alive. I was like, this game's over. The Raiders have one of the best kickers in the NFL and Dan Carlson. I was like, this game is over. We're going to the playoffs. They were saying it was the timeout that like set it over the edge. Like that that's what like Carr said. That and the, the first time run. run from Josh Jacobs. I wonder if J- Josh Jacobs deep down is like a Steelers fan. Maybe he's friends with Najee. Who knows? Wanted him to get into Alabama but. things. There you but go. I have to tell you this. Stuff. They all said before the game, they said, we're not going in there thinking about the tie. We want to win. And going against a divisional opponent, I promise you, they want to keep that team out of the playoffs. It's it's going through their head, thinking, hey, hey, we can spoil this team's playoff berth by beating them. If you look at the two head coaches here, that it happened. 
Brandon Staley and Rich Bisaccia. The Chargers approach everything from the analytical view, and then you have the Raiders, who this interim head coach is just like a football guy, like longtime special teams coach. And you you look at a picture of him, and he just doesn't like – he's not the kind of guy that would settle for a tie. He's the kind of coach that if you tied, he would still be chewing the team out. So two ideologies definitely were not aligned on we're going for the tie, but they seem to be aligned for once that overtime, you know, both teams stalled out initially. I think both teams kicked a field goal in the overtime, if I'm not mistaken. It looked yeah, like the Chargers were going to score right away, of course, but a roller coaster of emotions for you, Jay Biz, but the Steelers are in. You're in also because of a great comeback in the Steelers-Ravens game for a victory. So incredible day overall for Steeler Nation. What's your most memorable moment from that game? Oh, man. I mean, I've got to say the sack. It's got to be the sack, you know, that got TJ, the record. I tied him the record. Really, it's disappointing because he had another what seemed like one and a half sacks in this game in addition to that. Now, one of them was a half sack with him and Cam Hayward. It was negated due to a penalty on the play, which got under my skin a little bit. Mm-hmm. And the other one was due to a, what they call it, like a botched play. Um, an abandoned play is what it's called. And at first, I was pretty mad when they said it didn't count as a sack because I was like, there's no way. Uh, but I looked up the rule, and they did call it correct. It is not a sack. That's what it is. But, yeah, him tying the record, that was pretty memorable. That was that was really cool. It was cool, Big Ben, you know, seeing him orchestrate his drives to win the mm-hmm. game, both in overtime and at the end of regulation. Big fourth down throw, you know, they really, they really, they were going for it. They wanted to win this for Ben. Um, and they did. It's pretty incredible. Yeah, Steelers got that touchdown to tie it up with 254 left to chase Claypool, our favorite. Yeah, to really do Go the, first down, do the first down. Go ahead. He hasn't done it since again. No. But he can <laughs> he celebrate really, for touchdown. He really cleaned, he really cleaned things up after that happened. He has really yes. been. He did. I, I, I have always hard. said, I think he made some dumbass moves, but I have always said, I think he gets more shit than he deserves. I just, it's just easy yeah. to make fun of. <laughs> Yeah, it's crazy we've done this this whole year without Juju. You know, he's been hurt for most of the season. Our offensive line has not been the best, although I will say the last couple weeks they've had some different guys filling in, Joe Leglu, J.C. Hassenauer, and they have really stepped it up. They've really started playing better. Juju's coming back in all seriousness? No, I don't. I don't either. Juju's somewhere somewhere out west. It's okay. We'll get one. We get this one last draft with Kevin Colbert. Get us another another good wide receiver in the third round, fourth round. I can tell you what you don't need, Jay Biz, and that's a kicker, Chris Boswell. 36 yards to win this one. It was looking like an overtime. You know, you worry about the Ravens even getting near half midfield because then Justin Tucker's gonna come out there and boot one, set another NFL record. Yep. Been through some pretty clutch throws at the end of that game to set us up there. You know, the the fourth down one to Ray Ray McLeod where he kind of fell over the Great line. Catch, yep. Ah. Oh. I was really worried. Fryermuth was a big target in this one. He had a lot of catches, really came in clutch. Former King of the North, uh, Pat Fryermuth. I give a lot of the credit for this win and the way that we really somehow snuck into these playoffs to to Mike T. Also, King of the North nominee and likely Absolutely. winner. The King of the North! Mike Tomlin really is, you know, there are sometimes where people are like, he deserves to go. He keeps them around middle of the league. 
I think that's severely undervaluing what he has done and what he's been able to continue to do as our, our head coach and make our team relevant every single season. Uh, if we're not competing for a Super Bowl, we are at least competing for the playoffs. Heard a stat. I think we may have brought it up on here. Maybe not. Big Ben has had two games <clears throat> in his career where he was playing and was eliminated from playoff contention in that game. So think wow. about like, he's never like two games in his career where he was playing and was not in a position to make the playoffs Two. Mike Tomlin has been the Steelers coach for 15 seasons now, since 2007 has only missed the playoffs. One, two, three, four, five times in 15 years. And now like he's taking these teams that should not like the Steelers should not be a playoff team. It, it, like no. based on everything, like you see, like one of their better receivers going down, like a, poor offensive line, a rookie running back, who's been one of the best players, but like an aging QB, the defense had holes in it all season. Like they're not a great team, but they put it together here to make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Like it's incredible. And it's just, it's, it's so, it's so inevitable with the Steelers and Mike Tomlin. I know he's like, we saw him in the post game, IG, IG live dancing with the players. He's normally a guy to always point at the camera on the sidelines. Yeah, he always knows where the camera is. So shout out to Mike Tomlin for that. Definitely King of the North worthy. We'll see. I mean, the Steelers, they're, they now play K- Kansas City. <laughs> the last time you guys took on Kansas City, for most of the game, you didn't have points on the board. And Kansas City yeah. had a lot of points on the board. Kind of cruel that the NFL would do this to Big Ben on his way out. Like, he had the – it would have been so, like, honestly poetic if Big Ben's final drive were him leading the Steelers for that, you know, game-winning field goal at the end of the game. Whereas – now his final drive is probably going to be getting picked off by the chiefs sometime in the, you know, the late fourth quarter when they're already down by two scores. Hey, never say never, man. I'm sure the chiefs are going into this game thinking we got an easy dub and that's when things fall apart for football teams. So different beast playoffs. We have more than we have more than a 0% chance of winning the super bowl. You can say that. I think my, my team has a zero percent chance, and I I thought this was the year, but yeah. So Steelers sixteen, Ravens thirteen. Ravens finished at eight and nine. They were what was it eight and three, eight and two at some point. Let me check out their schedule here real quick. So that's that's what I I believe is true. Coming into this game, like four of their last five games were decided by two points or less, and then this one obviously by three points. So. Their entire season was one possession losses. And it's tough. They had a lot of injuries this year. A lot of injuries, a lot of COVID obstacles to deal with. So, I mean, I'll give credit to Baltimore. They also have another great coach over there. Uh, mm-hmm. They really put a season together when there shouldn't have been one. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and they might have something in Tyler Huntley for the best insurance policy for Lamar Jackson possible. I, I think it's crazy that they consider – Lamar Jackson that anyone considers him dispensable because he is absolutely like, there's no way they should get rid of him. The amount of plays he makes day after day for that team. Yes. He's not the best like traditional quarterback, but he is a playmaker. He's one of the best playmakers in the NFL. So like there's an, even though Huntley is good, he's not Lamar. Lamar was the MVP, but the Ravens six straight losses to end the season. You're right. Chip is the most being by this three point margin. Actually, no, the Bengals beat them by 20. The Bengals are really the only yeah. team that, that blew See, them I out. Was, 
it's funny you say that because I was about to say, well, did you say the Steelers didn't have any one score loss or one possession losses or the Ravens? But it would be neither because both teams yeah, we took did. multiple, multiple possession losses to the Bengals. So <laughs> I am just yeah. saying. And really, like like we said, the uh, Ravens, I think, only took this to the Bengals and the Steelers besides the Chiefs game. Um, right. I think only also took them from the Bengals. So there's also another team that did not lose to the Bengals this season. Though. That would be the other eight and nine team in the AFC North, the Cleveland Browns. <laughs> yes. So even though this game Sunday, Davili Browns, 21 Bengals, 16, both teams out there, there, there was a football game that happened, but these were not the A squads for either team for sure. Still a lot of good players out there. And it's nice to kind of see the, you know, the depth on each of your teams. Dearness Johnson over hundred yards and a touchdown. Demetric Felton, the really cool Demetric Felton moment. He there was some kid, he was mic'd up for the game. There was some kid in like the first row before the game say, Hey, it's my birthday. Like he said, On oh God, it's my birthday. First game. On oh God. He said, If you score, you have to give me the ball, which is kind of greedy of the kid to just say, say, Hey man, if you you score, like give me that ball. Like this is Demetric Felton's second career touchdown. It happens. Demetric Felton scores a touchdown in the game and gives it to the kid, like runs to the stands and gives it to the kid. I I was looking at it at first, worried it was going to be his first ball. Like thinking maybe he gave it to a family member, but no, they Brown the Browns released a video today detailing the whole process. So it's interesting you say that because I remember that moment, but I had no idea it had to do with a little snot in his birthday. So that's that's <laughs> interesting. Well, so he was in the first row, but we're talking last game, Browns eliminated Bengals playing backups first row. Yeah. So the price is maybe, you know, it was his birthday, his parents are like, hey, now we can splurge for the first row tickets, or there might be a couple spots available, even on the first row, but in the, you know, the first five around there, it's the end of the mm-hmm. season discount, you know, the lackluster special, anything you saw that you were looking for, obviously Brandon Allen, you know, he, he played a game too, but what are your thoughts? <laughs> he, he had a rough one out there. Um, what surprised me was I was looking for, I guess I'll say a little more fight. How do I put this? I didn't expect us to treat it so much as a preseason game, I guess. is what I didn't expect us to lay down quite that much. I expected us to lose. I expected us to lay down. But I didn't expect us to activate eight practice players, eight practice squad players, excuse me, and then have them all start. That I did not expect. I thought Jamar would play a little more than what he did. I thought T Higgins and Tyler Boyd would at least be dressed for the game. That was not the case. They were just in parkas and beanies the whole time. I thought more defensive players would play purely from a contract incentive standpoint. You know, you know how they get all those clauses written in, like start 17 games and you get 250 K stuff like that. I thought little things like that would kick in, but apparently everyone was okay with their contract. Everyone was okay with, just laying down and taking the L this week. And, um, but isn't that what's best? One, it, it is. And that's what I'm about to say is the one positive bright note from this is that, uh, I'll explain it in two different ways. And they're both branching off of the same point. The main overall point here is that our practice squad and our backups got a lot of experience and that's good for two reasons. One, we saw a lot from a lot of them. We saw an entire game where they played, the black, the Browns starting offense and defense. And that's really cool because like no offense, Corey, but your offense kind of shit the bed this season. But I think we still mm-hmm. kind of went up against a very playoff caliber defense. 
Absolutely. It was pretty much the Browns starting defense for three quarters of the game. Yes, that's what I'm saying. Our backups and practice squad players went up for a full entire regular season game against the Browns, in my opinion, playoff caliber defense. That's really cool because, one, you got a good look at them against a really good defense at the end of the year. So there's a lot of decisions that can now be made in the offseason before the draft, before free agency, where you're saying, okay, this safety looked really good. Let's keep him around for another year. This defensive tackle looked horrible. Maybe we want to draft a new guy to replace him in the fourth or fifth round this year. Um, so for that reason alone, it's really cool to see for, from a development standpoint to see that happen at this point in the season. Because you're usually only getting out of the front end of the yeah. season, right? You never get that at the back end of the season. We just got that. That's very rare. And if this is like Madden, you can, you know, you add that XP to them, you know? Yes, yeah, exactly. Like we could yeah. hopefully add XP. New um, we'll hope we have to get Chad back into the building because he's the only one that can add Madden XP. Yeah. Um, but once we get him back in, it shouldn't be a problem. But uh, secondly, another thing that's cool about it is, let's say hypothetically our backup tackles who played all game against the Browns have to start in the playoffs. That's a nightmare scenario. But let's say Isaiah Prince and Deontay Smith, who neither of you have ever heard of, have to start next week, which it's looking more and more likely with Riley Reef out that Isaiah Prince might really have to start. Who are the last two people he just played against? Miles Garrett and Jadavion Clowney. That is incredible experience for him going into a playoff game if he is a practice squad player that might have to start on a playoff caliber yeah. team. And that's really cool that if, if, if you're going to get it, last week was the time to get it in that loss. And that's, that's another reason why I'm kind of okay with what happened. Because you hear other people saying, oh, no, take a, you know, you lose momentum if you lose going into the playoffs. You know, take the Belichick way. Start everyone. Bill Belichick doesn't sit players before the playoffs. I hear you and I get that. I get that you lose momentum, but when you have your starters sitting and then coming back for a playoff game when the Bengals haven't been to the playoffs since, since 2015, are you really losing momentum that much? I would argue no. I would argue they're going to be just as fired up this week as they would be if they had played, and I'm completely okay with it. And you should be fired up. Speaking of getting it, though, it'd be a real shame if, uh, you know, I, I wonder if how much the NFL is going to try to cover up any uh, people getting COVID around this because it seemed you know yeah. we've seen it all season <laughs> we saw the spike the last month and the Bengals have largely avoided it but you're telling me if joe burrow tests positive they're gonna make the Bengals play it's not gonna have patrick mahomes i know it's wednesday already but they get tested every you never know joe burrow although doesn't go anywhere you never know hates, but i have to imagine they have to i can't imagine it'd be easy for them to move a playoff game i'd have to imagine they'd make them play but yeah, but shit, I, at the same time, if they were willing to move a regular season game from a Saturday to a Tuesday, they'd definitely yeah. be willing to move a playoff game. That was also 21 people on the Browns. So, yeah. Interesting. I don't know. Yeah. I, I have the theory that, like, if there's a positive test the week of the Super Bowl and it's like Tom Brady test positive for coronavirus, there's right. no way. Like, he's playing the game. It's Tom Brady. Yeah. yeah they would, they would the definitely game. push it for sure. Or he's, or it's just, we're never hearing that he has a positive because he's going to say, well, I'm vaccinated and asymptomatic. Right. And then the NFL is, which I guess, like, I think that's part of like the new policy, right? If you're asymptomatic, you just don't, you just don't test. I guess that's what the NFL is saying now. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I'm unfamiliar. This is the other thing where like, I swear to God, this is going to make me sound like a conspiracy theorist, but like there are certain players in the league. And I really do believe there's only like 10 of them, maybe 
where their agent probably has a say in things like that. If Peoples Jones tested positive for COVID and they're making a playoff run, they're going to be like, too bad, so sad, he can't yeah. play this week. But if Aaron Rodgers tests positive for COVID, I have to imagine that his agent has a direct line to Roger Goodell that well, says, that look, we're moving the game to Tuesday, right? Like, some, like <laughs> there's got to be a couple of them that have that much that have that much power. It's got to be if it's Rodgers. I don't even think anyone has to call the commissioner if it's someone like Rodgers. I think it's just like Rodgers has COVID. We're pushing the game. I mean, he sells tickets. I don't know. I think. uh, I mean, if he breaks his foot, they're not going to be like, "Oh, we'll push his playoff game three months till his foot's healed." You know, they can't do that. But you don't think the NFL is trying to stick it to Rodgers? I don't. I don't know. I don't know at this point what they're trying to do with him. Pat McAfee yeah. does. You're preparing, though, for this Saturday, 4.30, at home against the Raiders. It's got to be nice. As you were saying, you know, your starters getting this rest, and then the Raiders going to the literally last second of possible time on Sunday night and being going hopefully a, a, little, short you know, week. Maybe a little hungover from that short week or for them. They got to travel across the country. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. For, that to is a, a non-arid, non-desert environment in the winter time, with no out, with no indoor facilities, mm. they're screwed. What's the um? The autumn wind is a raider. There's, it's not the winter wind is a raider. I'm not scared of Derek Carr in the same way that I'm not scared of Carson Wentz or Kirk Cousins. We'll be fine. <laughs> okay, we'll be fine. Davili looking to break the. Cincinnati playoff curse. Joe Burrow would be the guy to do it. Joe Burrow, just honestly, he he's not he's not been our king of the north but one week this year. And if we were doing king of the north overall for the season, he would probably be it for the the AFC North, I would say. And I know Hammer, season Hammer, assist, season assist to CBS, who also did the king of the north graphic this weekend, putting the Steelers as the king of the north. It was TJ Watt, I believe, wearing the crown. So. That's our thing, it was ben. obviously. It was ben, no, it was yeah. Ben. Yeah. Uh, TJ Watt was took a picture. Leader. I took a picture of it. Yeah. So cease and assist to anyone using King of the North. I think that's like a limited capacity thing. We got in there, not right away, but I think we we got in before the deadline, and they're definitely past the deadline. They're really showing it's us ben. right See, now. I took a picture. It ben. Furious King. It says the King of the North, showing Big Ben's record over all the teams, but. Here on the No Love Lust podcast, we are the originators of King of the North content. So, yes, Corey, what uh, what do you have to say about your Browns going into the offseason? Though we got to get back to that. Yeah, there's been a lot of drama in Cleveland, and see, this is nothing new for the Cleveland Browns. You know, the season ends, and there's a lot of questions. There's a lot of questions like, hey, what's what's the deal with the quarterback? Are we gonna are we gonna ride with this quarterback? And there's always a question of the draft, but. In the draft, in this case, I really think as far as, like, you go through the team, I think it's maybe the defensive line, like a little depth there that you want to bolster. And then, hey, maybe you need a wide receiver that can potentially make plays down the field. Imagine that. Imagine a wide receiver in this offense that could be a down-the-field playmaker, you know, somebody really explosive. I I wonder how it would go if they could draft a wide receiver like that, you know, in the first round, maybe somebody with first-round value to catch my drift. But overall, like, it's – I think Baker will be better next season if he's healthy because he has been in the past. Now he did not look good at all this season. 
and now we've we're seeing uh it's baker versus the certain cleveland media members mary Kay cabot and tony grossi and you know baker's saying oh all you guys are putting out this clickbait that there's this you know tension between me and stefanski or whatever and i just don't i don't know one of the reasons stefanski came that wanted to come to cleveland so badly he tried to come to cleveland twice to coach him was because of baker you got to think he had something to do with it so i don't think there's anything there i'm looking forward to seeing him healthy next season so we'll see about that i it i sounds think, like they're committed to him right yeah that's what they're saying so as I mean, of now, I the giants were the giants sure. were saying last week they were committed to joe judge though so yeah. anything can happen right exactly but there's no better option out there as of right now they're riding with number six going into 2022 so the browns not in the playoffs Bengals are the Steelers are too yeah fun stat about the Steelers winning this game Mike Tomlin and Big Ben become the second winningest head coach and quarterback combo of all time second most wins passing Drew Brees and Sean Payton they were tied coming into it they passed them took second most all time who's the winningest of all time Um, Belichick and Brady uh of course I yeah, should have known they that won, they won a lot of games together. Uh, another fun stat as we discuss these teams, all of the teams for a final time this season, final rushing yards uh, by running backs three from the, from the uh, AFC North at two, three, and four. We had Nick Chubb. We had Jim Mixon and Najee Harris uh, all within 90 yards of each other. Uh, so congratulations to them. Really know how to get it done. Up in Two, the three, AFC four course. in the league. Yeah. Runners. And Nick Chubb was out for a number of games. So just saying, imagine what he could have done. Yes. Yeah. Yes, he, was. he was still like 600 behind Jonathan Taylor, who was number one. Yeah. So, but he's not in the playoffs. So, nope. Colts definitely dropped the ball there. Speaking of dropping the ball, our dick of the week, everyone's favorite part of the No Love Lost podcast, where we learn about a new dick every week. This week's dick of the week is Dick Shafrath, former Brown, a four-time All-Pro. He had six Pro Bowl nominations and blocked for three Hall of Fame running backs during his time with the Cleveland Browns. He wore number 77. He's a legend on the offensive line, helped him win the 64 championship. And when I talk about those three running backs, I'm talking about Jim Brown, Bobby Mitchell, and Leroy Kelly. Dick Shafrath's nickname was The Mule, from his teammates, probably because of his work ethic, getting it done there in the trenches back in the, in the, the good old days, as some would say, of the the 60s. And, you know, after his retirement, he was a coach for the Washington franchise, you know, as an offensive line coach until 1977. So he actually was a politician after that um, in the Senate. I'm not going to – I don't know. I'm not going to get into – we stick to sports here, so we're not going to get into his politics. But as of right now, until I find something that – Makes me think otherwise. Dick Shafrath, former Browns offensive lineman, is our dick of the week. Shout out to him. Shout out. And as a as a DC native, you heard it here first. I've heard I've heard rumors spreading around the city that we are going with the Washington Commanders mm. as our name. So you heard it here first. It is January twelfth at ten forty six p.m. I'm calling it now. If that ends up being the name, every single one of our listeners owes me a dollar. Thank you. You're here first. I was really, really hoping it was going to be the Red Wolves, but I heard that that's not happening. I was so. I was hoping that too. was my favorite I that, that was I really saw. cool, but 
whispers that I have heard around the city are not saying Red Wolves. They're saying it's going to be the Washington Commanders. But who knows? They, they could all be wrong, but that's that's the vibe going around the city. Well, you, you just said it differently. What about the Washington Whispers? That would be, <laughs> be the best team of God, all. how hot would that be if it was the Washington Whispers? What about, like, the Senators? No, that no was one like one's contention, I Presidents think. Presidents is one of the think... contentions, but no one's going to say, hey, go, go, Presidents. Yeah. Never yeah. happened. It's, it's just lame. A politician. It's like the Ottawa Senators. Come on now. Change your name. We get that you're the capital, but it's Canada. It's America's hat. No offense to our Canadian listeners or our French Canadian listeners, but I ended on that to Philly. Yeah, find it on that. <laughs> no love lost to French Canada, none, none whatsoever. For but... all of our listeners in Quebec and Montreal and Nova Scotia and New Brunswick, we love you all. We do. There's no love lost in the AFC North, but I, I have lots of love for all of our listeners everywhere, and as we welcome you into the the playoff journey. They were about to embark on. I strap in. It's gonna be a good ride. Davili has a curse to get on off his back. Jay Biz has a legacy to continue to add on to. Exciting times here. We'll see if your teams can get it done. Thanks for listening to this episode of No Love Lost, an AFC North Roundtable. If you like us, well, obviously you do here at this point in the episode. So subscribe to us, please. Leave us a review. And follow us on Twitter and Instagram at No Love Lost NFL. 